As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Me and Paranormal You with your host, Ryan Singer. It's more fun to believe. Third, third year, year bonus. bonus. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is Ryan Singer, and you are listening to Me and Paranormal You. This is another 30-year bonus content. Today, I would like to discuss the history of witchcraft. As it was just Halloween, I figured it might be a fitting thing. I know I have discussed Wicca and Wiccans before on here. Interviewed my buddy Andy Sell a while ago about uh, practicing the Wiccan arts. But um, there seems to be a really big rabbit hole you can go down, as you might imagine already. You probably already knew that. When it comes to the history of witchcraft, was Joan of Arc indeed the first documented witch? Uh, we'll see if we can get into that here in a little bit. First, I would like to start with a poem. Now, this is from Alexander Pope, from The Rape of the Lock, Canto One. The sprites of fiery termagants and flame mount up and take a salamander's name. Soft yielding minds to water glide away and sip with nymphs their elemental tea. The graver prude sinks downward to a gnome in search of mischief still on earth to roam. The light coquettes in sylphs aloft repair and sport and flutter in the fields of air. Now that's going to tie in some things that I ended up rabbit holing into when it comes to the elementals. Now let's first discuss some witchcraft, as you know, uh, very tied into magic. Um, and if you are a listener of the Mindcast, you know that I'm a big fan of John Whiteside Parsons, a uh, big fan of the book Strange Angel, written by George Pendle, which details his life, uh, his life in you know in the black arts, and also as a one of the most preeminent you know uh, rocket science, the guy who started rocket science, one of the guys. 
And this is a quote. These are a couple quotes from that book, Strange Angel, that George Pendle wrote. That he, uh, this one, first one is from Sir James George Fraser from The Golden Bow. And the, I love this quote. I think I misquote it regularly. That's how much I love it. This is what Sir James George Fraser wrote in The Golden Bow. It is therefore a truism, almost a tautology, to say that all magic is necessarily false and barren. For were it ever to become true and fruitful, it would no longer be magic, but science. I love that. And here's another one from Sir Arthur C. Clarke. Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. So there you have it. This is a point of view that I really enjoy kind of launching from when it comes to my understanding of what magic can be. Now, that's a, I think that's an important sentence. My understanding of what magic could be or can be possibly. I don't sit here and claim to know what magic is or know all the, the aspects of it or even the practice of said magic because there's many different types and I am as of yet unable to really have any time devoted to the the practical application of magic in my life. I do have a book on moon spells and I've gotten into it a little bit. I have not gone deep into it. Now there are, I do also have some other books uh, about earth, you know, like earth magic. But that's not that important right now. I want to talk about the history of witchcraft uh, as far as I can find. Now, the first documented witch, uh, we're going outside of the United States here as far as written history. Because you, have, it is my guess that there obviously were witches or peop, uh, women specifically accused of being witches before recorded written history. So prehistoric witches, if you will. The first one I could find uh, in my research, uh, and if you have one that's sooner than this, please reach out to me, send me an email at meandparanormalu at gmail.com, because I'd love to know about it, is Dame Alice Kettle. And uh, this was 12, circa 1280 in Kilkenny. Uh, Kettle and her assistant Petronola were involved in the world's earliest recorded witch trial. What turns out now, uh, it, this is a, a very sordid affair, and Petronella is the one that ends up being burned at the stake for it as Dame Kettle escaped. Now, did she es- who'd she escape from? Well, she had to escape from this real, real piece of work fella, the, uh, the Bishop of Ossory, Richard de Ladrid. Ladrede, Ladrid, I will call him Ladrid. Uh, complaints were brought to the bishop, uh, specifically by the children of a previous marriage of her husband who had just died. And as this husband was dying, he realized he was dying, so he, he updated his will to make sure she was compensated. And this is Dame Kettle. Now, this was Dame Kettle's fourth husband. And... The previous, or the children of his previous marriage and her past husbands all conspired together. They joined forces, right, to accuse her of partaking in poisoning him and casting evil spells on the last husband, which in fact led to his death and therefore her compensation. 
She was accused of witchcraft, amongst other things. Now, this is where it gets interesting, and you probably have a sense that this is a reality, at least of those times. You'll see what I mean here in a second. She was accused of witchcraft, amongst other things, including denying the Catholic faith, blasphemy, dismembering animals. Now, before I move on to to what else, this is the interesting thing about dismembering animals for me. When I was a kid in the woods by my house, there was a creek. And this was before it was all bold bulldozer down and condos and the like were, were built. But in this creek, one day, there was a skinned cat hanging from a tree. Now, we immediately thought Satan worshippers, devil worshippers, uh, witches, uh, for whatever reason. And this was probably, you know, circa 1987. Uh, no, even before that, maybe 1985, uh, right around that time was when I believe this happened and, you know, 666 spray painted on some concrete in the woods by the, you know, because it was like a drainage creek. So, yeah, so when animals are tied in to witchcraft, for me, at least in my mind, when it comes to magic, black magic, or even devil worship, which are different things, I am aware of that. So I hope I'm not offending any uh, witches out there by, by throwing those, lumping those two together. That is not my intention. Now... Dismembering animals uh, is something you can be accused of and uh, get in trouble for. But here's where it gets creepy in my mind. I'm not trying to run a bit here, but as I was researching this, it struck me as funny. If you dismember animals, you're a creep. But if you then cook and eat them after you do it, that's normal. You're a chef. (laughs) The difference between being a creep and a chef is cooking of the thing you kill. Doesn't that really, like, just kind of creep you out a little bit? Okay. Okay. Who's, who's headed back to being a vegetarian full-time? Sounds like this guy. Um, so, okay. So, back to the story. And so, she was d- denying the Catholic faith, blasphemy, dismembering animals. And I'm assuming she wasn't cooking them. And here's the one that really gets you. It really gets me, anyway, is running a brothel. So... There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. There's a woman who's on her fourth husband who dies. Um, uh, she must be evil. Oh, and she's running a brothel and saying, God damn it a lot. Or cursing God. Like, basically what this means to me is you're, it's, really, it's really hinting at this is a woman who isn't playing by the rules necessarily, at least in the eyes of other people, or maybe she got too lucky. She shouldn't be this fortunate. Um, any woman with uh, loose morals is a witch, uh, which I think uh, that wasn't, I wasn't trying to say witch there. That's a different, that was a W-H-I-C-H, uh, which I think the word witch was replaced by slut later. Uh, and you know, I'm gonna have to write this down because I think this might be something I'll use in my stand-up uh, potentially, but, uh, which later became slut, uh, whore, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, she's, uh, she's practicing in black magic. Uh, oh, she's loose, loose morals is probably where loose comes from. But, uh, yeah, I think witch evolved into slut because it's interesting now how you could be tried and hung or burned at a stake for being a witch 
you know, hundreds of years ago, but now it's become very a very big part of pop culture. And some people would even say it's not a good costume anymore for Halloween because it's, but it's one of the classic archetypes, I think, for Halloween. And nothing like a good witch. Ha- take your Iron Man and your complete Iron Man replica suit that costs you hundreds of dollars to make. Keep it. Keep your Iron Man. Give me a solid witch. Uh, and, uh, any day of the week, I'll take a solid witch. Okay, so um, so there you have it. Uh, you have Dame Alice Kettle, uh, who was accused of all of these things. And the story gets pretty interesting because the bishop... Um, he really had uh, an ulterior motive, as it turned out. Big surprise. Influenced, I think it was seven knights that were on the, uh, the court uh, to decide what to do with her. They found out she, they decided that she needed to be punished, right? And guilty, uh, along with Petronella, uh, Petronella uh, her assistant, or her aide, her female aide. Now... He influenced them because why? Because he thought, the bishop thought, that the church was losing its grasp of control on the town. So he needed a statement. He needed to make a statement here, right? So he makes a statement. Then he goes to his higher-up, you know, to get the okay to proceed. Turns out the higher-up he went to was the former brother-in-law of Dame Alice Kettle. And so he did not get the permission. And then, in fact, he was investigated, the bishop, the Bishop of Ossory, Richard, was then investigated, and I think he was jailed for 17 months, if I remember correctly here, looking at my notes. But then, you know, hell hath no fury like a holy man scorned. So, you know, that's interesting because I changed that from uh, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned uh, is the original thing. But it makes you, it makes me now question where that originates from that that uh that that line that colloquialism or whatever it would be called so then you know he was hell-bent on doing this so he continued and continued and continued and pressed on eventually dame kettle had to flee like i said earlier and all accounts of her existence disappeared after i believe the year 1324 Petronella needed to be this. They needed a scapegoat, so they took her, uh, convicted her of witchcraft, and burned her at the stake. That is the first recording of a witch trial of a witch that I have been able to find. And if you're anything like me, the signs point to not being a witch, just being a woman who was more fortunate than other people felt she should have been. So, greed, money. Uh, when it comes to inheritance and wills, ooh, that just gross. It all grosses me out, man. Hopefully, you don't have to deal with that in your life and in your family with family members who have a sense of entitlement, all that. We don't need to, that's, a, that's not even close to what we're talking about. Let's talk about modern day witchcraft. Where is witchcraft now? There are so many different kinds of witchcraft that you can get into. Kevin Kelly has a great TED Talk about evolution. And he says, evolution tends towards specialization. I believe that's a direct quote. That's the heart of what he's talking about. Anyway, this guy's a brilliant dude, right? I Just Google Kevin Kelly TED Talk. It'll come up. Evolution, throw that keyword in there too. It'll come up. It's a brilliant TED Talk. Now, witchcraft has evolved over the years. 
much like everything does. Just by the simple fact of continuing to exist, some evolution must take place, right? I'm not a scientist, but I'm guessing that's hopefully true. Hopefully, I continue to evolve the longer I exist, which is, in, which is forever. Uh, time is an illusion. So, of course, now there are all these subdivisions of witchcraft that you can get into. Even within Wicca, uh, the Wiccan uh, practice, there are a ton of different Wiccans. You know, throw an adjective in front of Wiccan and you've got another thing here. But let's talk about just some, some basic numbers from a survey that was taken not all that long ago. It's an estimated 1.2 million pagans in the United States. Now, this is, they are lumping pagans and witches together here. Interesting thing for the skeptic out there thinking all these idiots believing in magic, practicing magic. 65.4% of them have a college degree. 16.1% of the 1.2 million pagans in the United States, as of this survey, postgraduate degrees and 7.6, some college or less. So if you break it down, that's roughly 90% of all the pagans in the United States, have post-high school education to some degree, which I thought was pretty interesting. Now, um, I also want to talk about uh, I want to talk about that a little bit more. But before I move on to that, this is something I found that was very interesting, which is something called the witch cult hypothesis. Because uh, I'm sure you're very familiar with the Salem witch trials. That is the first and well, the most for sure the most famous documentation of witch trials and the witch hunt here in the United States and colonial America hundreds of years ago. Now there is a witch cult hypothesis which is very interesting to me because I didn't know about it and that's that's it's a it's allegedly this discredited theory okay I'm throwing that out there just because you know I'm getting a lot of this information from Wikipedia and all other kinds of websites here. It's that the witch trials of the early modern period, they, they weren't necessarily an attempt to just find these specific witches that were causing havoc, as much as they were an attempt to suppress a pre-Christian pagan religion that survived the Christianization of Europe, which is interesting. So it's like trying to, oh, I don't know if you've ever had uh, ants in your kitchen, uh, Let's imagine the Christianization of Europe, as it's called, is when the exterminator comes. Okay. Now, a couple days after the exterminator is gone, maybe you see an ant or two still hanging around. Boom. That's the witch trial. When you go over and try to squash it with your thumb or a napkin or whatever you do. That's if, hey, maybe you live harmoniously with ants. I say, good, good for you. You and this six-legged creature, this insect which I just realized insects were part of the animal kingdom not too long ago. Uh, and by not too long ago, I mean, like, you know, within the last five years. Because I was, I was claiming that chimpanzees or, or orangutans were uh, vegetarian because the uh, they ate uh, termites to get their B12. And then uh, my girlfriend at the time goes, no, termites are animals. That's, they're not. And I was like, what? what? No, they're She's like, well, they're not plants. And I was like, yeah, they're insects. I thought there was plants, animals, and insects. Uh, there's no insect kingdom. Uh, like, at least, you know, it's plant and animal kingdom. Okay. I thought that was interesting. That just shows you how stupid I can be. Not that you need further evidence. 
I'm sure there's plenty of evidence on record of that. So anyway, so you have this Christianization of Europe that took place and, you know, by all accounts was awful and very gruesome and violent many times. But then, this is the, the part of the religion that really gets me. Now, this religion that was, this pagan religion that was allegedly being, you know, trying to, they were trying to finish off this pagan religion. This, uh, it, purportedly, it centered around the worship, the worship of a horned god of fertility, whom the Christians would then later label as the devil. And now uh, they were nocturnal ceremonies, uh, worshiping this this horned devil of uh, this horned god of fertility. Interesting how new people come in, take the thing that you that you believed in, uh, take the the icon or the figure that you worship, then make it the bad guy. This is your new truth. Did this happen to the witches? Did this happen to... I See, I always called dudes warlocks. But apparently, which can refer to men or women as well. Uh, it is... Which is cisgender. Let's say that. So, um, now this has allegedly been debunked or at least discredited. Um, it was a... This witch cult hypothesis was pioneered by German scholars Karl Ernst Jark and Franz Joseph Mohn uh, in the early 19th century before being adopted by the French historian Jules Michelet, American feminist Matilda Jocelyn Gage, and American folklorist Charles Leland later in that century. Now, it did get some steam here and there in different times and different periods, but eventually, as you can tell, unless you've already heard about it, lost most of that steam and was kind of squashed. It is interesting to think about, though, how then maybe witches were considered devil worshippers. If, in fact, you were a pagan or a witch worshipping this horned god of fertility, which was then turned into the devil, now, if you were to worship that god, that new devil, you are a devil worshipper. A Satanist, you might even be called, I guess, depending on the person you're talking to. Interesting to me, because I'm, as I'm talking this out, I'm kind of realizing, I'm, you know, I'm making connections here in my mind on the fly. But it is interesting to think that someone who could have been considered a, uh, I don't know, a holy person or a practitioner, uh, a holy, uh, someone of high regard in a certain religion can then, due to physical warfare, uh, conflict, physical conflict, warfare, whatever, therefore has to have a new God, right? So therefore they went from being someone of high regard, maybe someone even that people went to for advice or looked up to, or listened to, uh, who people followed. Uh, now you are a devil worshiper. Now you went from high esteem, boom, you swung to that spot on the other side of the spectrum. You're even more scary than someone who's kind of apathetic to the whole thing. Or at least it's filtered down throughout history to later uh, generations. 
of people like myself to think, oh, you worship a horned, a horned, quote, God? That's the devil, dude. You're a devil worshiper. You're a witch. You're a satanic witch, a devil witch. There's an actu- there's a very beautiful piece of artwork on the Wikipedia page on the witch cult hypothesis uh, by Francisco de Goya. It's called Witches Sabbat. Uh, it was, I believe, it was painted. It looks like 1789, and it depicts the devil flanked by satanic witches. The witch cult hypothesis states that such stories are based upon a real life pagan cult that revered the horned god. As I said earlier, very beautiful painting, but maybe it changes the idea of this horned creature does it flip it in your mind does it soften it from being uh, particularly menacing to maybe less harmful less scary less dark potentially even softening it enough to make it warm something you may in fact revere i'm not saying you should i'm not saying i do I'm just saying it's interesting to me. Now I'm thinking of these horns, this this devil character, in a whole different light. That's for sure. Um, the witch cult hypothesis was adopted into a ton of literature and all kinds of stuff. But um, you know, I don't really need to get into that. We don't need to do a bunch of book reports on that kind of stuff. But all of this led me to information on elementals when it came to uh, harnessing the powers of the earth. Uh, with magic as a witch, uh, it, it, it led me, uh, as you, uh, predictably, to elemental and elemental magic. And if, you're, if you read Strange Angel or remember me talking about it, uh, John Whiteside Parsons at one point with L. Ron Hubbard in his Pasadena black magic sex mansion, orgy mansion, which is, it's been glorified as by many people, although it doesn't seemingly seem to be really that uh, in truth. He did a, a ceremony to summon his elemental soulmate with L. Ron Hubbard, the two of them in a room, and apparently something really, some really crazy stuff happened the next day. Boom. What he believed was his elemental soulmate was there. Uh, things started shaking on my desk just now as I was talking, and it, it startled me. It frightened me a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you, but I think it was just my elbow moving the desk. Um, the light. Uh, I have a lighter that started moving around uh, because I just burned some sage not too long ago. Of course I did. So what's an elemental? An elemental is a mythic being described in occult and alchemical works from around the time of European Renaissance and particularly elaborated in the 16th century works of Paracelsus. Now there are four elemental categories. Uh, you probably understand uh, that they will line up with the elements that you are more familiar with. The four elemental categories are gnomes, undines, sylphs, and salamanders. These correspond to the classical elements of antiquity, uh, the earth, water, air, and fire. Uh, aether, quintessence, uh, was not assigned an elemental. Terms employed for beings associated with alchemical elements vary by source and gloss. So here here, here we have it. A gnome is a being of the earth, which you can probably 
you probably already made that association in your mind. An undine, a being of water, also known as a nymph uh, to many people, I believe. A sylph, a being of air. And a salamander, a being of fire. So, yeah, so there you got it. Now, the concept of elementals seems to have been conceived by Paracelsus in the 16th century. So it goes way back. It goes, so that'd be the 1500s. So we're looking at 500 years ago. Uh, when it comes to that. So if you're going to do magic where you're summoning, uh, if you're going to be partaking in elemental magic, if in fact there is such a thing under that name, those are the beings, the entities that you will be, uh, that you will be dealing with, it, it turns out. The, the Latin names for, a, you know, a nymph would be an undina, uh, a sylph would be a sylvestris, uh, a pygmy, which would be a gnome, Gnomus is the earth, and salamander in Latin would be the Vulcanus, which is the fire, like I said already. So very interesting. I am interested. I know uh, my friend Kat Yuri and I, I've interviewed her a couple times, talked about having a coven, starting our own coven. Uh, we have not done that. Um, but I am interested in finding a lot more out about magic still and witchcraft. And I hope this was informative on some level, and I hope you had a wonderful Halloween just a reminder, my new stand-up comedy album, Immortal For Now, will be released digitally worldwide on December 4th, the year 2015. I will have physical copies sometime by the middle of November. Uh, those are available for purchase on my website, ryansingercomedy.com. If you go into the merch tab, you'll see that. I also have new Immortal For Now t-shirts that just arrived in the mail today, actually. And they're very soft. They're Anvil t-shirts. I like them very much. I'm very happy to have them. Uh, I just hope I don't have them forever because that means no one wanted them. All that is available for purchase on my website, ryansingercomedy.com. Me and Paranormal U Gear, of course, is always available. Uh, by order, uh, in demand, on demand, at society6.com backslash M-A-P-Y. That's society6.com backslash Mappy. Me and ParanormalU.com is the website. All the info is on there, what I'm reading, all that kind of stuff. I'm still reading Food of the Gods by Terrence McKenna. It's taken me a minute. Um, there's this game, Skyrim Elder Scrolls, that I just got. I don't play video games, but man, I'm like... You know, I'm trying to do magic, learn magic and stuff. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I played with some kid from Brazil last night. Until 6 in the morning, we ran around killing things. Killing, like, the undead. I'll tell you what. I, I, uh, maybe this is why I'm, I'm almost 40 years old and single. I, I do feel like looking for love is... I'm, I'm not going to run bits. I almost started a bit. It's like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I have a great interview with someone that I just did uh, who used to work for the... Uh, lead exped expeditions for the BFRO, which is the Bigfoot Research Organization. That interview will be coming soon. I talked to a, a light healer. That interview might be coming up this Friday. All kinds of great things lined up in the future. 818-839-0593. That's the mind line. Give me a call. You know what? Do your thing. Do, do your best out there. Always create more value than you ask for in exchange. Money, manifestation, meditation. I'm going to be so rich, dude. <laughs> Oh, I'll have that mountain house in Lake Arrowhead and we can all go out there and hang out and do the Ouija board and it'll be like a retreat, a paranormal retreat. That's what my hope is. I'll see you out there at the watering hole on the astral plane. Thanks for listening.
This experience was mixed by Alex Stein. Check out his podcast at thealexsteinpodcast.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.